Welcome everyone to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows and testify, giving tips in manhood, honor codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for the soul. And today, my next guest is Ed Haynes. What's going on, man? Man, what's happening, my brother? <laughs> I'm doing well. Doing well. You look like you're in good spirits. I'm so happy that you're here today just to come on the show to give us some gems about life. Once again, Ed Haynes is one of the most successful people that I know, but I'm going to let him tell you about himself. Mr. Haynes, you have the floor. Just give us a quick story of your background. We're going to get into these gems you have for us today. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, I'll start it off with uh, in terms of solutions. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go back to the earliest days. Um, and, and some of this you probably don't even know, but it's important to touch on it because of the environment that we live in today. Right. So at a very uh, young age, I lost my biological parents. My, um, my dad had been in the army, retired from the army after 20 some odd years with a, with a medical discharge. So he was uh, basically disabled um, in, in terms of taking care of the family. My mother uh, was a person right there in Palmetto, Florida, uh, who grew up, uh, raised two sons, myself and my brother, who was two years older. And, uh, you know, one day we were in the vehicle, we were traveling and we stopped and, and passed by a neighbor who was, you know, in a small town, everybody knows everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically out of that situation came uh, a relationship that turned into what I am today. She stopped by a neighbor's house that was a, a close family friend. His name was Alvin Taylor. I think you might know that name. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Well, she stopped by and she told him, listen, if anything ever happened to me, I want you to assist in raising my sons and my husband, take care of their, you know, their matters. Because of course my dad was incapacitated. Mm -hmm. And he agreed. And I think it was probably about three days later, she, she passed away. She actually went to visit my father in a hospital uh, with my brother, Bay Pines Hospital in St. Pete. And uh, in the parking lot, she dropped dead. Wow. So at eight years old, I'm without a mother. Now in my home, there was my grandfather. It was my mother, my father, and my brother. So now my mom's dead my grandfather's only daughter. Over the next three months, I watched him die because it was heartbreak of his losing his daughter. So at an early age, I, I experienced loss. And, and this man, uh, Alvin Taylor, who had no reason or rhyme or reason or, or obligation to take a, a young kid who was actually, at that point, I basically started running the streets and doing whatever in Palmetto, you know, cause there was nobody really to, to keep up with me. My brother left and went to, to college at Florida State. And this gentleman decided, you know what? Rosaline would roll in her grave, roll over in her grave if she saw this guy running around here, this boy riding his bicycle all in Robonia and all these places, you know, he shouldn't be going. I was wilding out. And he took me in as a son and raised me as his own son. And, uh, and from that point, uh, that's where my second introduction to manhood came in because mm -hmm. I saw this man who had two daughters who took in 
a, a young man at an early age and, and begin to groom him to be a man. This gentleman uh, at age 12 uh, got a job offer that was going to uh, put him in a position where he would be able to provide better for his family, but it was going to move him out of this small town. And at 12 years old, I was approached by them to say, listen, we can't take you away from your biological family. However, you're welcome to come. We're moving to Fort Myers area, Cape Coral, Florida. And if you want to come, we'd love to have you, but it has to be your choice. We're not just going to say you're going with us. And at that point at 12 years old, I had to decide whether I would stay in Palmetto and run the streets and do what I wanted to do. And, and I knew, you know, I was always kind of swift. I was like, I was going to be doing it. Trust me. However, something in my mind told me, you know what? You need this discipline. You need to follow this train. So I decided that I would move and we moved to Cape Coral. Two months later, he was promoted again to Tallahassee and we moved to Tallahassee. And uh, eventually he became the first black secretary of the state's largest department at that time, which was called HRS. Right, right. Let me stop you right there. Yes, sir. It's funny because my first question to you was like, who did you meet, uh, meet or see that gave you drive that you have and the momentum? So you answered that question for me. But also answer this, how important is it to leave where you're from to develop yourself to where you're going? Very important because what happens sometimes when you, where you are, or where you started, you have no clue of what is outside of that. A lot of times people are trapped in boundaries that they don't even know exist. Uh, those individuals that travel, that move around and see other things in the world, they, they end up having a broader perspective. Uh, they end up getting exposed to things that they wouldn't have been exposed to in their common environment. And it's very important in the development of the person, if for nothing else, just to let the person know there's something else. Okay. If you don't know that there's something else, then you, you, you have a tendency to, to block yourself off and, and uh, put yourself in a box. So take me back to this 12-year-old boy, right? Knowing yeah. all the knowledge you know now, there's probably a 12-year-old boy, 12 year old boy in your situation, in your predicament right now. Yes. Tell, tell me what your frame of mind was at 12 and tell me what your frame of mind is now in order for you to say, yes, I'm gonna take this leap. Because so many people do not take leaps not, they don't leave the comfort of their depression, the comfort of their joy. Comfort is can go both ways. Mm -hmm. So tell me, at the age of 12, knowing what you know now, if you were speaking to what gem are you going to give us? Why did you take that risk? You want to be honest with yourself. When I say that, what I mean is you want to look at the environment. You want to look at the situation. Um, L. Ron Hubbard, a gentleman that I studied, said intelligence is the ability to predict. Okay? Mm -hmm. Intelligence is the ability to predict. What was, now, the, what was the gentleman's name again? L. Ron Hubbard. He's the guy who developed Dianetics. Mm -hmm. He said intelligence is the ability to predict. Now, I was able to predict if I stayed what my outcome would be. Why? Because of the limited 
constraints of the environment that I was in. I was in an environment where I saw within the neighborhood limitations. I saw even within my family that there were limitations in terms of upward mobility and things that uh, would promote upward mobility. So in order for me to predict where I would end up if I stay there, I had to be honest with myself. It didn't matter if I wanted to be uh, able to dictate my movements and stay out late and go and do whatever I wanted to do. Honestly, within myself, I had to look at that and say to myself, is that going to be what's best for me in the long run? Or is that going to be something that leads me down a path that's not necessarily good for me? And even though the decision I made was a decision that was going to be more disciplined on me, it was going to cause me to have more heartache and problems from a kid perspective. In the long run, I thought it would be more beneficial to take that move and make that decision. So that's fantastic. Listen, being honest with yourself, that is very profound. I don't think people use that tactic they kind of surrender to the surroundings they kind of say you know what this is going to be for me this is the most we've ever had but being honest with yourself seeing yourself in a better light is very important jim i thank you for that jim that is a really good jim let me ask you the question do you yes. have a vision board yes and no okay in the traditional sense a vision board meaning uh, you actually put a board up and you clip, cut out clippings and put it on there and you want that and this and that. I don't have that. My vision board is vision. It is I conceptualize in my mind the things that I want to have. Because <clears throat> here again, going back to this time frame, I had to learn to be mobile. I had to learn to... Um, carry the things that I would need with me at all times. So I had to travel light. Mm. So I didn't want to have something that if I didn't have it with me, then I couldn't function. See that, that vision board, if it wasn't within my reach, then I, I might forget what's on it. However, if I, in, if I, if I basically live that in my mind, yeah, if that was, my vision board was something that I could see in my mind every day, every moment, then I didn't have to worry about going in the room and looking at it. I looked at it every day. If I wanted to switch out pictures on it, I can do that in my mind at any given time. So my vision board is basically the thought patterns that I have developed and that I improve on. I replace things that work, that don't work, and I keep the things that work and add on to those every day. Talk to me about you being a grown man now and talk to me about the lowest emotional moment that you had and what tactics and tools and how did you get out of it? The lowest moment, um, hmm. Well, I can tell you that um, I would say one of the lowest moments would probably be definitely was the the, the, the period of time that I experienced those losses. That that was a low moment. Uh, it all it also was somewhat of a low moment when you when you find yourself um, 
in a in a I use the term quagmire. Um, it's like a catch twenty two, and and what I mean by that is when I moved with the Taylors, right, and I became the son. It, it created a um, a situation that's a catch twenty two. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is you got blood relatives, right, that are in your environment that see you somewhat as a traitor because it's like you left your real family to go live with these other people, right? So now these other people are your family. You're calling this guy dad, you're calling this guy mom, uh, this this young lady mom, and you know, your mom and dad was over here. Cause when I, when I moved in, my dad was still alive. My dad didn't die till I was 14. Mm. So I left my biological family and moved with a family that was not, right? Now, when I did that, I'm involved in a family that not, that's not necessarily my biological family. So now that side of the family had to kind of say, oh, Alvin them got this this kid living with them now, you know. Uh, who is that? Right? So now I'm a I'm an outsider to that family. You get what I'm saying? So as a kid, you gotta learn how to balance that where you're basically alone. You're you're in a situation where um Tell us you know, how you did it. How did you do it? How did I you just, Yeah, I just I, I decided, right? I decided that I was gonna make it through. And and what do I mean by that? You take that word and you break that word down, right? I'm a wordsmith. So the word decide, right? I understand. So let me impress you right quick. <laughs> you know what the word decide means? You, you, break it down for me. I'm not gonna assume I know anything right now. Okay, okay, let's do this. So the word decide has two parts, D and side right well the word d means to cut away or to kill right like decapitate mm -hmm. you're gonna cut off what the head you got that so d means to cut right all right the word the word side means what you, you keep going I'm, I'm listening i'm taking it all in the word side means to kill homicide means what Death, murder. <laughs> another, another person, right? Yeah. Suicide means what? Kill yourself. Self-inflict. Pesticide means what? Bugs. <laughs> yeah. So the word side means to kill. Mm. So when you decide something, you cut away and kill off all other options. Ooh. You understand? Yes, sir. So you know, when you decided to take on this music industry and keep it positive and do what you wanted to do, you decided no matter what the industry did, no matter what they said was necessary in order for you to sell, you decided you was going to keep it the way that you wanted to make it clean and you wanted to be positive. Or long ago, you would have switched over like everybody else and been out here in this sea of uncertainty and creating the kind of chaos that exists right now. But that's not what you did. You decided that you were not gonna do that. You understand? Right. I decided right. that 
I decided that for my mom to stop and ask this man to step in when he did, that was important. I decided that for this man to say, I'm gonna take him in and I'm gonna raise him as my own, that was important. It didn't matter what my biological family said. It didn't matter what his biological family thought. I decided that I was gonna win and I was gonna make that something that he would be proud of in the long run. Mm. Mm. I applaud that. I, I applaud that. That was really good. That was really good. Yes. Let me also, we're going into your adult years now. Yes, sir. What is the career that you've taken on? Tell us a little bit about your career. Okay. Uh, well, my career involves security, right? Um, I own a security company, which is now probably the largest African-American security company in South Florida. Um, my background went from serving in the United States Marine Corps for six years, uh, coming out, becoming the first African-American police officer uh, or American of African descent, police officer in the city of Miami Shores, Florida. Um, I was the chief of security for a congressional uh, staff member uh, or congressional person, Congresswoman Frederica Wilson. I was her chief of security and personal driver for five years. Uh, then I went ahead and, and got my business started. And now uh, we went from um, you know, $150,000 in our first year of operation um, to right now we're doing uh, probably over $3 million a year. Um, you know, we've, we've been able to employ uh, from the beginning of having between five and seven people to now we actually employ over 120 individuals. So there's 120 families that we are their sole source of income in terms of uh, you know teaching those individuals. And that came from the training that I received from my dad, which was Alvin Taylor. Talk to me about after you ventured out with Con uh, Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, excuse me. Talk to yes. me about after that, when you decided to start the security company, tell me, tell me, talk to me about the challenges you had mentally and the people around you who were the naysayers and the ones who are the people who, who lifted you up. Did you need those things at the moment? Talk to me about what, how did you come along with the grips to step forward and actually create this business? Well, once again, everything you you draw from those things that are around you right and um you know she was an accomplished person herself so you can't be around uh an individual that is a principled individual for example in her particular case um when she ran for congress uh she ran into me and i had been doing security for celebrities and entertainers and she asked me you know, when she was running for Congress, if I could bring some of them to some of her fundraisers to help her to win her congressional seat. And if she won, that she would need somebody like me on the team. I got on the team and this was during the time that a fairly unknown individual began to run for president who was an unknown senator by the name of Barack Obama. Correct. Now, traditional wisdom in the Democratic Party basically told all of the 
basically main players or the traditional politicians that you got to follow the party line and that was to vote for Hillary Clinton. She, on the other hand, who was raised by uh, parents that were very Afrocentric and believed in supporting her own, she believed that if a black man was running for president, she had to do her part and support him. Mm. So when Michelle and Barack used to come to South Florida, no one would ever come to any of their luncheons or uh, meetings that they had. So they would basically be embarrassed if she didn't step up. And basically what she did was because of her positioning with her sorority, which was the Alpha Kappa Alpha uh, sorority. And then she was a member of an organization called the Lynx. So when they would come to town, she would just call up all of her relationships to come and support them and make sure the room was full. However, as a result of that, once people realized that this guy might actually win then they started trying to matriculate back over to his side. Mm -hmm. But it was too late then because he saw who really was on his side. Mm -hmm. So when he became president, she was the only person that he dealt directly with. She was the only one that had direct access to him when it came to Florida and things that was going down. She had her own person on his staff. Specifically, if she wanted and needed something from him, that she dealt with and because I was the chief of security you know whenever he came to town we always met him you know we met him at the at the airport or the tarmac she would be the first person to see him when he came in because of that so loyalty was a big thing integrity loyalty respect loyalty yes regardless of what it looked like she didn't care that he was a senator that nobody knew he was a black man he was running for president and she wanted to offer her support so those are the kind of those are the kind of things that fueled me so that I wanted to create a company not only to help black people in the area to get jobs, but also I think somewhere in the scriptures it says that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children's children. I wanted to create an environment where my daughters, uh, which you know very well, that they didn't have to go and ask anyone for anything, number one. Number two, that my grandchildren would never see what it looked like to be under the control of another person because mm. they had their own, right? So I'm creating a foundation so that my grandchildren will never know what it's like to be an employee. They will always be employers. What did you sacrifice for that? What did you sacrifice to say, hey, I'm gonna leave this wealth because time is time. And sometimes we don't have a lot of it to send with our families. Sometimes we can't hang out with our friends. What did you sacrifice? I sacrificed a lot of the, even though, um, you know, I've had a lot of experiences and fun experiences and things that you know, especially with the music industry, you know, I was involved with some guys that if I had just stayed in place, I'd be a millionaire already because, you know, people that I dealt with, such as DJ Khaled and all these guys, I was there in the early stages of the game. So all I had to do was to stay there. However, I knew that if I followed that track, 
that I would be away a lot. So when my when my girls were growing up, their dad wouldn't have been there because he's on the road. He's doing shows. He's here and there. Instead of, I set up an infrastructure and I had people in place that kind of took into that piece. I turned it over to them while I continued to grow and learn. So I had to put a lot of time into understanding the infrastructure a lot oftentimes people don't understand it's not the golden egg that's important it's the goose that lays the golden egg that you want so what i did was i focused on what is the infrastructure that's necessary to continue to produce success versus the success itself that was something that was a sacrifice because a lot of times especially with someone like myself that that is pretty, I would say, um, blessed with certain skills and talents. It would have been easy for me just to jump out in several different areas and achieve great success earlier. But I sacrificed that to make sure that I understood, just like with you in the music business, people don't understand that, that that's 90% business and 10% music. Right. So I understood the business of life before I jumped into life. Listen, that is a whole nother conversation about the music industry I try to have with people consistently. But I do have some questions for you about fatherhood and you said some great things. How important are fathers to their daughters? Very important. Uh, it's so important because your daughters are actually, um, they are, I would say, the mirrors of their fathers. Mm. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, unfortunately or fortunately, depends on how you look at it. A daughter is going to go out and find what she saw. If your daughter brings a knucklehead home, congratulations. You're probably a knucklehead. <laughs> you understand? Because she only knows what she knows. So she's going to naturally gravitate to the individual that she saw growing up. It was very important to me to teach my daughters what a man looked like for real so that they would have a successful opportunity to raise children by bringing in an individual that had certain skills and characteristics of manhood, which goes back to what you said again in terms of the sacrifice. So speak, I might speak, to me, speak to me about that. Speak to me about, give me some of the things, some tests that you gave your daughters in order to condition them and make them strong. What, what type of teachings did you give them you want to pass on some gems to someone raising a daughter, have a daughter, or about to have one? Well, first of all, let's talk about the origin of them, right? I chose a mother that would be the perfect picture for them to look at. Mm -hmm. Number one, you can't go and choose to have a child with someone that is not what you're looking to produce produce an offspring who now she's looking at me and she's looking at her mother. 
if the mother is not an example of what you want, you're already off to a bad start because they're going to be looking at the mother in terms of what they're supposed to be. And you chose that mother, right? So now you're already showing a flaw in judgment based on <laughs> what you produce them with. That's number one. Once they're here, now you've got to also demonstrate to them how they're supposed to be treated based on how you treat their mother. So they see that. They get a chance to see this is how a woman is supposed to be treated. And this is the kind of man that you're supposed to have in order to treat a woman like this. And this is how the man is supposed to treat his, his children, right? Is he someone that is going to protect them and provide for them, right? Whatever that means. That doesn't mean that you have to be wealthy. That doesn't mean you have to have all of this. That just means that you have to show the characteristics that you're doing the best you can. Because my daughters are, no matter what they've experienced, they don't judge a guy by what he has. They'll help him get what he needs because that's what their mother did with me. You see? Mm -hmm. So they know, okay, if you get the basic concept this guy has all the tools that he needs to make it happen. He just needs some support now. Then they're going to come in and be that support factor. You understand? Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, you got to make sure that they are equipped to support him and support themselves until he comes or until they find the right guy. So what I did with my children was I made sure that they understood the concept that everything that they get in life, they had to earn. There was no free ride, right? Therefore, they could not be trapped and tricked by someone trying to impress them, trying to flash money at them, trying to impress them with they know these celebrities and that one and that. My kids was always exposed to that. I made sure of that. So a dude couldn't come to them and, and like, have them all impressed with nothing because they done seen everything already. Yeah, uh, I seen I seen one of your daughters hanging out with DJ Khaled. <laughs> you know, this is they already seen that. They run around with Shaka Khan and and Betty Wright and yeah. Isaac Hayes and you know these people that mm -hmm. they, they know them. They they you know they were exposed to that. Now yeah. everybody may not have that opportunity, but it's not just that. It's not just that. No, it's not just that. The other thing that we did was at an early age, um, we learned the importance of not um, like giving them a sense of entitlement per se, meaning you had to earn things, right? Mm -hmm. So what we didn't do, we didn't give allowances. You know how kids get allowances? We didn't do that. They got a check, okay? Every week they got a check. Well, how, a check? How does a kid get a check? Because they had certain chores to do, but those chores were their jobs. So if they had to vacuum the floor, then that was worth 25 cents. If they washed the dishes, that was another 25 cents. Doing your homework, that might have been 50 cents. Every chore that they were assigned had a numerical value attached to it. So at the end of the week, when they came for their check, they had to present what tasks that they did and completed, and they got paid for that. That was in preparation. So when they got older, they had a mindset of an employer 
versus an employee. They understood that this was business. So that's why you see Candace move the way she moved. Mm-hmm. Okay? Shakara moved where she moved because of an incident that happened with her with Candace. Mm-hmm. I came home one day and Shakara crying, you know, daddy tell her to stop. Stop what? What happened? She tell her to stop. I, Candace, what happened? Daddy? Yeah, hey, she should have read it. I read what? They like five and six. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Candace drafted up a contract, right? At six. Told Shakara the contract said that they're going to be friends forever. She just needed to sign. Shakara signed the contract. Candace says, aha. Got you. That said that you would do all my jobs and I will get paid. <laughs> okay. So I come in. Read your contracts, people. Read your contracts. Contracts. So I said, oh, man. I said, Candace, come on, man. This is your sister. I said, I like the concept. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you got to uphold the contracts. How did, how did we, how did we take said, it to court? We took it to court. People I said, okay. <laughs> I said, I don't want to squash your hustle because I like that. I like that. <laughs> I see something. I said, Chicago. <laughs> Listen. Okay, Candace, I need you to void the contract and let your sister out the deal. I said, because this, this is okay. Ready? She got to learn that she shouldn't have done that. I said, I understand. I got it. But this is your sister. I'm asking you if you can go ahead and breach the contract. And it's okay. Well, then I'm just saying, I, I got it. I understand. I know I done taught y'all how to do this. That's cool. But this, no. So she rips the contract up. So she calls her. She drives her face. And she says, okay. Um, I say, okay, you better now? She says, yes. Okay, cool. So she goes in the back. When Shakara left, Candace said, I don't know why she's so excited, daddy. Because you know you taught us to do everything in duplicate. She had a piece of carbon paper. Oh, wow. But she had a carbon copy of the contract. She says, oh, that was just a carbon copy. Here's the original. I knew then I had an animal. <laughs> now, watch this, though. Watch this. As a result of that, Shakara right now is the person that if I need any kind of legal document done or anything like that, she's a beast. He reads everything. <laughs> okay, you ain't gonna beat her on paper, okay? You're not gonna beat her on paper. Trust me when I tell you. She goes into court, she wins court cases. She's a beast, all right? So when Betty Wright got her in there starting writing songs and all that, she is. Uh, she writes books. She's an animal. So yeah. she's the office manager for the security company. You understand? Yeah, I'm aware so of that. Yeah. My point, so, so my point is that exercise brought out the best of both of them. Mm. So as a father, it's your job to prepare your children to fight this war called life. Mm. It's your responsibility. And you can't do it if you yourself haven't fought it. If you haven't made the sacrifices and come across the kind of things that people, places, things, and situations, the circumstances that they're going to run into, 
then you're not going to be able to adequately prepare them to deal with it. So that's another thing we've been able to, I think, be successful at between me and her mother, uh, their mothers, to prepare them for that. So as a father, you're the head. You're supposed to be the leader. So these are the directions that I've been my family in. I, I love it, man. I, I I love everything you said from making your kids earn to being honest with yourself. It's so much to decide, to define the word decide. I recently, recently reveled in the importance of the, of the, the wording, I changed my mind. That mm. phrase is very, very, very strong. But people use it you know, as, as no, I changed my mind, but I changed my mind is such a strong thing in terms of perseverance, momentum, being focused and being a person of consistency to get things done. Talk to me about that moment. I know you have many more. I know you have visions, but talk to me about a, a goal that you hit in your mental vision board. That was one of your apexes that required those techniques and how did you feel? What was that moment and how did you feel? Okay. So I'm going to, when we start talking about changing your mind or mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to throw a word at you and tell me if you're familiar with this word. Oh, boy. The word is postulate. Postulate. No. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, here comes our word of the day and it's postulate. And Mr. Ed Haynes is going to break it down for us. All right. So a postulate, basically, you take the word P-O-S-T-U-L-A-T-E. You're posting a thought in the spiritual universe that's going to show up later. Post-julet. It's a postulate. So a postulate is a thought. It is a, it is a position that you took mentally, basically. And I'm paraphrasing, right? So when you postulate something, you're basically stating that I want this to happen or I'm going to take this particular stance on something, right? Now, you can change that postulate, right? However, oftentimes, we don't remember the postulates that we made. Mm. And that's a problem. And I'm going to give you an example. Growing up, I was always a fight the power type of dude. So my thing was, when I was looking at the different systems on planet Earth, and I saw that everything, you heard that saying, uh, money is the root of all evil? Yes. So, so in my mind, I said, oh, that's what it is? So I know how I'm going to beat the game. I'm going to do everything that people with money do but I don't need no money to do it. I'm going to figure out another way to make stuff happen without money. Because if I have to go and commit to get money, then I'm going to end up basically losing my integrity or sometimes having to negotiate, do things I don't want to do for money. So I'm going to figure out how to do it without money. And that's what I'm going to do. That became a postulate, right? So without money, I would get into situations and circumstances that I was experiencing these fabulous things. I would end up in the, the, the most elaborate parties without paying to go. 
I would end up going on trips where people would pay for me to be there. I didn't need money, but I did everything that people with money was doing because I postulated that. I didn't need no money to do that. As I got older though, even though I was pulling these things off, there was nothing that I could accumulate because I the world is built where you gotta pay for stuff. So I had to figure out, I need to make money. So I started out trying to do different projects or different businesses. Everything was failing. I couldn't figure out why. You know why they were failing? Because I had said, I don't need money. So that was a postulate. Therefore, when I started trying to make money, I had already deemed money to be unimportant. So I couldn't create money because I had or I had created a block on money. Mm. It was only after I had to go back and think back and see what happened that I had to cancel the postulate of not needing money. I had to go back and say, oh yeah, that's right. I did say you don't need money to be successful. Mm. I changed my mind. I do need money. So I'm going to cancel out that postulate that I don't need money. I need money. I need as much as I can get. Okay? I need to be a millionaire. I need to generate this much money at any time. So I need to have unlimited flow. I need to have unlimited potential to generate money. That postulate could not stick because in the place that I wanted to put that, I had the one that says I don't need it. So I needed to remove that postulate in order for the new one to go in its place. It was only then that I was able to build a multi-million dollar company. We are our thoughts. Oh, you understand? I understand. So and I got some postulates out there. I need to kind of go get, think about it, meditate and go get down. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to give you two more words that are very important. Believe, right? And faith. A lot of times people are trying to be successful. And these are things that need to be understood in order to be taught. Before Jesus performed any miracle. Okay. And this is not like I'm some you know, Bible thumping person, but I just, I try to use things that people can relate to. Before Jesus performed any miracle, he always asked a question. Do you remember the question? Do you believe? That is correct. Why would he ask that question? Because faith changes things. <laughs> what, does faith, what does faith have to do with belief? Ah, break it down for me, brother. I don't know. Here, here's where, and you can do this with anybody and ask them, what is belief? And they'll tell you, oh, well, it's where you, you know, when you have faith, you know, no, two words can't mean the same thing. Faith is faith, belief is belief, right? So when he asked, do you believe there was a reason for that? Now let's break it down. The word believe has two parts. The first part is B, right? What does B mean? presence to exist yeah presence yeah to exist god yeah. said let there be light and right. there was light let their light let light exist and it is right 
The right. second part of that word is leave. The derivation of leave comes from the word libido. And libido deals with urge. You understand? Mm -hmm. Oh, the word believe means urge to exist. When you believe something, you have an urge for that thing to exist. To the degree you believe something is to the degree it will happen. Mm. Sometimes we have an urge for something to exist as long as it doesn't interfere with this. So guess what? You don't really believe. Because your urge is not strong. Your urge is basically conditioned on some other thing that you really believe in. So that's why that ain't happening. You get it? I get it. Now, in order for you to have an urge for something to exist, you have to have faith. What is faith? Well, let's look at it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen, right? Right. In math class, we learn two plus two is four, correct? Correct. That means the word is, is equivalent to an equal sign, meaning what's on one side is equal to what's on the other side, right? Two right. plus two is four. So word is is an equal sign. Faith is, that means that what's on the other side of that is, is the same as faith. So faith is the, the is a pointing word saying the next thing that's coming is what we're talking about. Faith is the substance so what is substance? You take the word sub, split it in half. What does sub mean? Underneath. Okay. Right. Sub is under. Stand. Yes. Come stand. So faith is the understanding of how to bring about the thing you believe. See, if you don't understand, then you can't bring about what it is that you're talking about. You get that? So if I, say, if I say, what's the faith of a cake? 90% of the time, people are going to say the ingredients. It's the flour. It's the butter. It's the milk, right? It's the sugar. That's not the faith of a cake. The faith of the cake is how much flour, how much sugar, what heat, how long do you leave it in, how many eggs. It is the knowledge of what to do with it you can have all kind of words you can have all kind of music playing but if you don't know how to arrange and create a song you ain't coming up with a song bro right right so faith is the knowledge of what you do when you get on that stage you understand and belief is the urge that drove you to continue to do it all these years. If that makes sense. Yeah, listen, man, this is this is some great gems. I am forever grateful for the knowledge I am hearing right now. And I hope everyone is taking this in the way I am. Woo! Powerful stuff, man. Powerful stuff. <sighs> so much knowledge coming out of you right now. I don't want to keep you for too much longer. Uh, just uh Let's talk about something. What was one of your funnest moments in your career? Like something that you can give us that was like, hey, I met this person and 
give us a celebrity. Give us a celebrity one. How about that? People want to hear about those things. Um, I remember when I first started doing security, I was doing it for free. Um, I would basically just, I was trying to get into business. So the, the type of executive protection I was doing was not being done for black people. And Larry Blackman with the group Cameo is the one that encouraged me to do this. And one day I was doing some security. Queen Latifah was in Miami uh, with the group Shy, mm. which one of the members of the group was from Miami. His name was Mark Gay. Um, so she was down here they were with Flavor Unit. They were doing some stuff and I was providing security for them. So. I forget even how, who brought me into this scenario. But anyway, I'm riding around with Law and we was in the car, right? So she was looking at me and she said, um, she said, Ed, uh, I got a question for you. How are you doing this security and we not paying? Right? Mm -hmm. She said, I don't understand. So I said, so Latifah, because now I've always been a study of esoteric type knowledge and stuff. So I said, so check this out. We was on our way to the store to pick up something. And I said, see, what you got to understand, Latifah, is that what I'm doing, I'm investing in the spiritual universe. I says, my payment for this may not come from you, but it's going to come from somewhere. So I can't worry about that. I'm just making sure you straight. You understand? I had someone sponsoring the stuff that we was doing for her, but she couldn't understand why and how I could do that without charging her directly. Maybe 10 years later, I'm living in LA and she comes out to do the Grammys. I think it was a time Whitney Houston was supposed to be there and then she kind of was having some issues so they bought Latifah in to replace her. I was with Isaac Hayes and Isaac was on the Grammys at the same time. So we were at Paramount Studios and I ran across her 10 years later. And she saw me and she said, Officer Haynes. I said, hey Latifah, what's up girl? I said, I told you. <laughs> it wouldn't come from you, but it might come from somebody else. You understand? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was one of those moments, man, that I was feeling accomplished that some of the things that I did that people thought was crazy, right. it came around full circle. One more question for you, and we can wrap this thing up. But it's, it's a long question, so I want to talk to you about three different things. What would you say about, what would you say to the young men of today? The young men of the past. Let me let me phrase this better. What would you say to the men your to the men your age, to the men younger than you, and to the young men in the future who who are not here yet? Okay. Each one, if you're talking to someone of yourself who's trying to who who woke up yesterday and is not as successful as you have been able to be in their endeavors, what would you say to the man your age? What would you say to a man half your age? And what would you say to a young man you know coming up? Okay, good, good question. So for individuals my age, um, 
which I am 57 years old. Um, so the first thing I say to them, because some some men feel like that they have, uh, if they have not achieved certain things in their life, then it's too late. And I will say to them, it is never too late. Number one, you just need to know the formula of how to balance that out. Now, what is the formula? Well, you lost a lot of time, right? And there's only one thing that I'm aware of that can offset time. And you need to know what that is. Because see, for me, like I said before, as I went through life doing the things that I was doing, I lost a lot of time dedicating to setting up this infrastructure. However, there's people who was like the, 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 the fable of the tortoise and the hare. They were sprinting. They were way ahead of me coming up. But now I got to look over my shoulder to see him right now because of this principle. There's only one thing that offsets time. You know what that is? I don't. It's speed. Speed offsets time. If you lose time, that means you got to move faster in order to stay ahead. That's why if you travel in space for three or four days, depending on how far you go and come back, it may be 30 years later because of the speed in which you're traveling. You get that? I get it. I have been able to accomplish the things that I've accomplished because of the speed that I move. And the speed I move is because of the certainty that I have on what I'm doing. So I'm able to accomplish a lot of things quickly that it takes other people a lot of time to do. But now I'm ahead of them because they were haphazard and just bouncing all over the place. So they wasted a lot of time, right? In the time they had, whereas my time was used wisely. So as an older gentleman, you need to look at how can you increase the speed once you determine what it is that you're trying to do and become proficient at that. Mm. And you make up for the lost time. For a guy that's middle-aged, you're halfway back, you're halfway up. Look to the future. Learn from those that are ahead of you, right? Because they've already seen things that you have yet to see. They're looking over the, your they're looking over their shoulder. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to observe. You got to look at what and observe what you're observing. It's very important. When you look at things, you got to learn from other people's mistakes. You don't have to go through all of it. You can look at different people and you can see what it is that they did right and you can see what it is they did wrong and then you can see what that situation worked for you because every situation is not going to work for every person. But you have to practice observing, one. Two, you have to network with individuals that are successful. Okay, wherever you're trying to go, you have to surround yourself by a team of people that have the same viewpoints and ideas that you have for success. Your team is very important. So you got to surround yourself by people. If you don't have people around you, then you got to you got to transition them to be that. You have to make but you have to be that first because we're magnets. Okay, 
we do not find things things find us mm. there is a there is a uh definition here game mr hubbard uses which is responsibility is the non-recognition and denial of any power outside yourself the non-recognition and denial of any power outside yourself why is that important because if someone else is responsible for your success or your failure, then you got to wait on that person to come and change your condition. Mm. If you say, wherever I'm at, I did that, you can undo it. So if you're in a bad situation, to change that situation, the first thing got to happen is you got to say, I put me here. Not my cousin, not my wife, not my ex-wife, not my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my mama, my daddy. No, you did that because in this universe, we are all individually responsible for the decisions we make or not make. Mm -hmm. Omission and commission. Once you take control of that, now you can change your mind. If someone else made your mind up for you, you can't change it until they come back and change it for you. Mm. As a young person, these are the things you must learn as well. You must learn that you have to build a foundation. Before any structure is built, the first thing that goes in the ground is the foundation, correct? Right. So that's the, the, the house is going to be built on the foundation. And any foundation that's built, there's a formula that the architect uses to mix the concrete for that foundation. Do you know why? Because, no good. Tell me, I'm, I'm listening. The reason why is the density of that concrete will determine the load weight that 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 foundation can hold. You cannot pour a foundation for a ranch-style building and then call and build a World Trade Center on top of that. It can't hold it. So you got to understand when you postulate, you have to do the proper mixing and the proper calculation of the foundation that you want to build so that you can build either a skyscraper or you can build like a little ranch style house. Because if you put the wrong foundation there, you've already dictated what you're going to end up with when you get my age. Mm. Thank you so much for being a part of Solutions, Ed Haynes. It's people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. You are now an official member of the Silhouette Boys Club. <laughs> hey, all right, all right. I'm silhouetted. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And please tell the people where they can find you if they're ever in the city of Miami or they just want to look you up or support whatever you're doing. Okay, well, no problem. Well, we are um, we are on the web at HaynesSecurityServices.com and that's H-A-Y-N-E-S SecurityServices.com. Um, Ed Haynes, spelled E-D-H-A-Y-N-E-S. I'm on uh, Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I think my Instagram been hacked right now, but it's cool. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's come with the territory. Yeah. Uh, so we got that. Um, you know, member of a group called the Circle of Brotherhood. I want y'all to check that out. Circle of Brotherhood Miami. Dot 
com or dot org org actually um was a group that i'm a part of the 5,000 role models of excellence which the congresswoman started a program dealing with developing young men mm. these are some of the things that i'm involved in in terms of to help uh develop black men to be more powerful and positive and and to do the things that we're discussing let, let, let's talk let's talk about that real quick before you go please uh re- reiterate that it's the 5,000 5,000 role models of excellent program um, in Miami, Florida, which is now actually spreading across the country. She's going into other cities. But uh, basically what she, the Congresswoman was a, a school principal and she realized that a lot of the problems with children that were especially black kids that was in school, she found that the root cause of it was most of them grew up in fatherless homes. So she, she pulled together some of her friends uh, and, and created a group called the 500 Role Models. And these were men in the community that she pulled together that would become like mentors for these young men. And it grew from, a, from 500 to 1,000 to 5,000, now it's more than that. But it's just, it's branded at 5,000 Role Models. And she just recently passed a bill through Congress that is going to set up a commission. I think it's called the, the commission, the social commission on the social something of, of black men and boys or something like that. But it was just passed through Congress, signed by the president and everything. So this is this is something that that program that she started is spreading across the country to to handle the issue of uh, black males that don't have men in their life. In shine, the a, shine a light on the congresswoman. Give us a full name and and just. Congresswoman, Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, Congresswoman Frederica S. Wilson. She's the Congresswoman that is known for wearing like the cowboy hats. Uh, she is, she's a fantastic, when I say fantastic, she's so responsible for a lot of things. She's responsible for when she was in the Florida Senate, making sure that the, the high school textbooks had black history in them. Uh, I mean, it's too many things for me to name that what she's done. I just, I just wanted to drop her name and let everybody do some research on her because she's done some fantastic things, period, yes. as, far as, I, yeah. as far as I hear all the time. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's off the chain. So that's Congresswoman Frederica Wilson. And then the, the Circle of Brotherhood is also doing some phenomenal things. Last year, what we did was we actually went on a, 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 a effort to raise the awareness of gun violence in the black community so myself and eight other brothers, we went on a hunger strike and we were called the Hunger Nine. You can also look this up, go to Google and put in Hunger Nine Miami and nine black men took over a city block and stayed in there for 21 and a half days, only drinking water. Mm. Um, and, and we had national and international coverage on that. So these are the kind of things that you want to do. These are the kind of things that, you know, when you start talking sacrifices and leading by example, this is what we do. We take black men who've been to prison, have been drug addicts, and we, we basically teach them that we're not going to let someone not wanting to give you a job determine your success in the future. We're going to pull together and make it happen for ourselves. We're going to be responsible. We're not going to recognize and we're going to deny anyone has the ability to stop us no matter what we've done have done in the past it's about future so that's where we at and right now i'm gonna make sure everyone 
understands that there is a solution to their problems. There you go. Thank you so much. And thank you. That's going to be it for Mr. Ed Haynes. He's going to go about the business of, it's a, it's a good day and, a, you know, a tough day for him. But, you know, because Miami, Miami uh, Heat finally took the, the L to LeBron James and the Lakers. But shout out to the city of Miami making it all the way to the NBA Finals. <laughs> well, you know, hey, for me, unfortunately, I don't take it as hard as other people because the other people, are, they, they're into them games. And yeah. I'm looking at it like, you know what? Ain't nothing about that game gonna change my condition. My, yeah, my game. <laughs> so guess what? I'm out here playing every day. Okay, I'm the, I, I'm I'm still undefeated. I'm the champion. So I'm you know I'm looking for others to play on this team of winning the game of life. That's where we at. And God bless you. Thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. All right, sir. Thank you so much for the invite, and continue success with solutions. Thank you so much. All right.